It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today is the continuation of our show on international travel tips. I have a lot to say. I dedicate this series to my good friend, Dion Hayes. Uh, Dion is doing some traveling, and she had um, actually complimented the show that I did entitled My Trip to London. And one of the things she liked about the show is it wasn't it wasn't just a sightseeing kind of show where I said, hey, go to uh, this place and go to that place and see this and see that. And uh, she liked the fact that there were actually some, some tips on travel in there that she thought were particularly useful. She asked me to do some more shows on travel, and at the time that she asked, I actually already had the outline for this series of shows. So we are going to continue in our discussion about international travel tips. Last couple of shows, we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about the value of your frequent flyer number and all of the good things that can flow to you if you keep your... um, uh, your frequent flyer number updated and to use it for all your trips, and uh, lots and lots of good stuff there. And last time we talked a little bit about uh, security, we talked about luggage, all the things you need to know, we talked about seating arrangements, and uh, uh, all the things you need to think about when you book your trip. Today we are going to talk about the things that I recommend you have. These are Spiwa's favorite things to have when she travels. And um, you're going to um, hopefully get as much value as I have had. And, you know, I didn't get all of this stuff at once. I actually, in the course of traveling, have asked a lot of my um, coworkers and my colleagues a lot of questions about what are the good things to travel with, what are the most useful tools that you have had. And, you know, one person made a recommendation here, another made a recommendation there. And as a result, I have accumulated all of these things over the past about four years that I've been doing a lot of travel internationally. And um, as a result, I have now this list that I'm going to give you all at the same time. And you don't even have to make five trips out of the country to figure out that these are things that are good to have. The first thing that I will advise you to have is a good pair of noise-canceling headphones. Now, I don't necessarily use them for domestic trips, so if my flight is two hours, one hour, whatever, I don't necessarily use them. But if I'm going on a long international flight, three hours plus, seven hours, eight hours, especially if I'm going to have to sleep on the flight, I really, really like noise-canceling headphones. If you don't believe in the the wonder of noise-canceling headphones, I would urge you, to visit a store where they have, some of them will have demo stands or when you get to the airport, uh, if you go to a Bose stand, they will typically simulate for you how the noise-canceling headphones work. And you will be able to hear the din of the aircraft without the headphones and then with the headphones and what that sounds like. And it really does really effectively reduce the noise level on the plane. And so if you want to sleep on the plane in particular, then you need some noise-canceling headphones. If you're going to listen to music on the plane, use uh, noise-canceling headphones because 
what people will typically do is they will, if they're using regular headphones, so for example, you get on the plane, the um, flight attendant comes out and offers you headphones. If you use those headphones to listen to, to watch movies or to listen to music, what typically you are doing is you are having to raise the volume of that headset above the din of the aircraft and all of the other noise that's going on just to hear. And oftentimes, first of all, the quality of those headphones is not really good. And so it has a really tinnish quality to it. And sometimes the treble is too high, and so it really kind of does you know, a, a fair amount of damage to your ears. Whereas, if you're watching a movie, if you're listening to music, uh, or you're doing something else where you're listening to something on your headset, if you have noise-canceling headphones, you can actually keep the volume of whatever you're listening to pretty low. And that is so much better for your ears. It's so much healthier. I like to uh, listen to a meditative CD to put me to sleep if I'm going to be sleeping on the plane. And um, there's nothing worse than trying to uh, listen to a nice, quiet, meditative uh, CD that's supposed to be putting you to sleep. And you have to crank it up so loud that uh, you're hearing the din of the aircraft plus everything else that's going on around you. And on top of that, you're trying to listen to your nice, quiet, meditative, you know, I can make you sleep uh, DVD. It just doesn't work. So noise-canceling headphones are an excellent, excellent investment. Personally, I have used only two kinds. I've used Plantronics and I've used Bose. The difference between the two of them, both of them will do a phenomenal job. I can't remember if actually the Plantronics ones that was a gift, so I don't know how much they cost. Um, I don't know if there's a huge price difference. However, uh, the one difference between them that I have noticed is that both of them require a battery, and they require you to turn them on in order to get the noise-canceling capability. However, the Plantronics headset will work like a regular headset even when it's turned off, whereas your Bose headset only works when it's turned on. If it's not turned on and you, you plug it into your iPod or your MP3 player and you turn on a piece of music, if your Bose headset is not on, then you're actually not going to hear anything. So that's something that I've noticed, and it might be the particular model of headset that I have, but just remember that sometimes even with noise-canceling headsets, there might be some differences so you need to um, be aware of those. The um, uh, other thing that I will recommend is I will recommend an eye mask. Uh, you can get these pretty cheaply. In um, Sometimes you can get them in um, uh, grocery stores. You can get them in department stores. You can get them in general stores. You can get them at um, um, in pharmacies. So get an eye mask if you are going to be traveling overnight and you're going to have to sleep on a plane because if you're traveling across time zones, the sun might come up at what might be, you know, two or three in the morning for you. And if you've got people on that plane whose shades are up, whose window shades are up, then it's going to really be hard for you to sleep because your body's saying, hey, the sun is up, I should be awake. The other reason is because it normalizes the darkness when you're trying to sleep. So for people who are reading, if your neighbor has a reading light on, that may get in the way of your being able to maximize your sleep. The other reason um, 
uh, the other no, the other thing that I like is I actually discovered sleeping pills and melatonin um, from one of my work colleagues who said, you know, he gets on the plane and he takes a couple of sleeping pills if he's trying to sleep, and um, that helps him sleep on the plane. I used to try and sleep without the sleeping pills, and I always had a hard time because sometimes you wake up, you're uncomfortable, you're shifting around. So I've actually found that sleeping pills help me get a better, deeper quality of sleep when I'm on the plane. So my personal routine is I like to get on the plane with my hypnotic CD, and in case you're wondering what that is, I did a show called, um, one show was called I, I, I Can't Sleep, the other show was called I Still Can't Sleep. You can get them on the com or com. You can also get them on the, um, if you go to, um, if you download the the, uh, the podcast on iTunes. Uh, and if you don't know where to find it, you can go to com, and every single episode has a link to the iTunes uh, podcast. Or you can simply go to iTunes and run a search in the podcast section for Speedway or the Speedway Show. It'll come up. But um, in both of these, I recommended very highly a book called I Can Make You Sleep. And that book actually comes with this hypnotic CD, and it helps you. It really does help you sleep. It works like a charm. And um, on a good day, I am asleep before the CD is finished. So I get on the plane. I take my sleeping pills. I uh, put on my noise-canceling headphones. I turn on my hypnotic CD when I'm ready to go to sleep. And I put on my 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 um, my uh, eye mask so I can actually sleep. And uh, I use my travel pillow as well. That's the other thing that I will suggest. Um, take your travel pillow with you. And there are different kinds of travel pillows. Personally, um, I have tried several because, in part, I tend to forget my travel pillow at home sometimes before I had my great lift, right? I'd forget my travel pillow, and then I would have to um, buy one. And so I have bought several different kinds of travel pillows, and um, many of them look the same. When you, you go and you look at the airport, most travel pillows are uh, virtually identical. They're the sort of half-moon-shaped, puffy-looking ones, and... Um, they uh, provide you, you know, some measure of protection and comfort. And uh, I'm actually, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking in my um, cubby area for my, my favorite travel pillow, and I'm not seeing it, so I think it must be someplace else in the house. Because if I had found it, then I would have actually looked up the brand name. But this travel pillow, I'll describe it to you because, unfortunately, I don't see it right now. But this travel pillow is a it's it's not a semicircle it's a full circle and it looks a little bit like a flower with you know petals and um i think it might be called like the ultimate travel pillow or something but the reason i like it is because you can fold it and um you can fold it behind you and it's actually a very firm pillow it's not soft and cushy like the other pillows it's extremely firm but the reason i like it is because since it is so firm, it does a phenomenal job of holding your head in an upright position when you're sitting on the plane, much better than um, most. So a good travel pillow is something that you're going to want to have. Um, the other thing that I recommend you have is you have a camera with an excellent uh, lens. 
when you get back from your trip, your best memories are going to be cap- uh, captured by whatever video uh, video camera or camera that you take. It may be true that more people are using the smartphone to take pictures, but the smartphone still does not have the zoom for the quali- that the quality of a good digital camera has. My personal favorite ca- uh, camera is the Canon Parshot SX30IF, and um, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try and put these things on the website. So if you visit the posting for the show on uh, the SpeedwayShow.com or Speedway.com, you'll see a list of these things, and you might even be able to link straight through and purchase them too. But the the reason my favorite is the Canon Parshot SX30IF is because it has a 30x zoom. And so it's got a digital zoom, it's got an optical zoom. When you combine the two together, I mean, it's got like a 104x zoom. And um, it gets a little shaky and it gets harder to take pictures the more you zoom. And um, I've been told that actually the quality of the pixels uh, deteriorates the greater the zoom. However, uh at 30x zoom, it takes a phenomenal picture. And uh, to give you an example, I went to the Vatican and I got to see the address from the Pope. And he was standing in his little window at the top of the, the on the top floor of the, the the building, over in the Basilica, you know. And uh, he gave this address. He's multilingual, and. Um, or at least he was. This is our previous Pope, Pope Benedict. And um, he gave the address in several languages. And um, it was phenomenal because while he was there, I was, you know, standing in the courtyard with all the other spectators taking my pictures. And actually, my pictures were so good with my Canon camera that it looked like the Pope was standing right in front of me. And if I remember to do it, I will put some pictures up on speedway.com so you can see how phenomenal the quality of the pictures can be with a really good camera. Um, when I was in Mexico, I went ziplining and uh, went ziplining through the forest, and there were these gorgeous uh, parrots, you know, the parrots that you see with the, with the plumage, the, the green and the red and the yellow feathers, just gorgeous. And there, there are a pair of parrots just sitting there watching me go by, and I stopped my zipline, and I was able to zoom in like we were right face-to-face, and I took some excellent pictures. So phenomenal memories can be made with your really, really good camera. So my suggestion is whether it's a and, – and video cameras are great, but I don't think – I don't personally know of anything that will give you the, the zoom capability today of a camera, not phones and not video cameras. So – once you've had, you know, 30x zoom, you just can't go back. So that would be my suggestion for that. And um, the other thing, if you're going to be gone for an extended period of time, take your comfort things. Uh, for example, I went to London. I was there for two months, and I took with me my favorite blankie that I had received as a Christmas gift. I also took a basket in which I keep my cosmetics. They were little things but they made all the difference to make my London flat feel a little bit more like home. So take the things that you like and take your favorite things. Now, I do have one thing that I personally really, really like, and um, that it is the one thing that I suggest that all of you have if you're going on an international flight, and that's 
would be drum roll please. Magic socks. Did she say magic socks? Yes, I said magic socks. You need a pair of magic socks. If you're traveling, if your trip is anything more than, let's say, three hours or longer, you ought to have with you a pair of magic socks. Now you might be thinking, what on earth are magic socks? Well, they're actually travel compression socks. Here's why you need magic socks. If you're on a long flight, you'll notice that there is um, a point where people start jumping out of their seats and they start walking around, they start shaking their legs, they start doing exercises. Most of those people probably are not wearing travel compression socks. There is a circulation challenge that you're going to have if you're on a long flight. Now, I'm sure it manifests in different ways for different people, but when I'm sitting on a plane, if I know I'm having uh, circulation issues because particularly from my knee down to my ankle, it just starts to feel achy and very uncomfortable. My knees feel like they're just sort of you know out of joint and they're just very uncomfortable. And it takes a lot of you know shaking and standing and walking to keep those feelings at bay, but every so often I start to feel like that. So you have to end up getting up. You can't sleep well, so, you know, you, you just totally blow the value of those sleeping pills and that, and that CD if you have to keep getting up every hour to walk around. Travel compression socks really do work, or at least the ones that I've used really do work. Good ones will tell you that they're clinically proven to have, you know, some gradient compression number that I don't understand. But that gradient compression helps promote venous blood flow, it prevents swelling of legs, it prevents discomfort, and it reduces the likelihood of blood clot formation in your legs. And I am here to tell you, it, they do all of that. They do prevent swelling. They do prevent discomfort while you're traveling. Uh, they do improve your blood circulation because I can tell that when I have my magic socks on, I don't have an issue with my circulation at that point. I can sit on the plane for seven hours and not get up one time with my magic socks on. So um, that is my suggestion. They're extremely comfortable they are easy to get on and off. They're snug, but they're not too tight. Uh, and you arrive feeling energized, refreshed after a long plane, car, or bus ride. So that is my um, biggest recommendation that you have when you are going on a long trip. Now let's get to getting to the airport. Now remember, I said this in other shows, 95% of your trip, uh, of the success of your trip happens before you ever get on a plane. And uh, so far, you know, we've been packing, we've been planning our trip, we've been thinking about luggage, we have yet to even get to the airport. So now we're going to get to the airport. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but my advice is that if you're considering parking at the airport, whether it's in general parking, the parking ride, the long-term parking, Always compare the cost of parking with 
a taxi ride or a shuttle to and from home. And this will start to make a difference, especially if you're going to be gone for a week or something approaching a week. A taxi may be a good option for you depending on where you live. If you are like me, for example, I live in a suburb uh, outside of Minneapolis, taxis are not terribly um, reliable. So you say, hey, I need a taxi to pick me up at such and such, and they'll say, yes, 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 and then such and such a time comes and the taxi is not there. Uh, I instead use Super Shuttle. Super Shuttle is available, I think, through most of the states in the United States. Uh, 1-800, I think it's 1-800-SUPER-SHUTTLE. It might be just that simple, or supershuttle.com. You can go online, you can book it, and they're very conservative in the amount of time that they will give between pickup and taking you to the airport. One big reason for that is because sometimes they have multiple pickups and they want to make sure that they can get around and pick everybody up and drop them off without anybody missing their flight. So that is my advice to you. So if it may cost you less to have a round-trip pickup service from Super Shuttle compared to parking your car at the airport. Usually, if I'm going for a couple of days, I park at the airport. I park in general parking because it's the closest place, long-term parking that I can use. And um, therefore, it is just incredibly convenient. Now, assuming you make the choice to park at the airport, my next piece of advice is park in the same location every time. So, for example, at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, uh, general parking across the street from the airport, there are four different ramps. There's a gold ramp, a blue, a green, and a red ramp. When I was a baby traveler, I used to park in different ramps until the day I forgot where my car was. And I wandered around for, I think, I I probably had to spend at least 30 minutes to an hour just trying to remember what ramp, what floor did I park my car. It was an incredible headache. And uh, so now I park in the green ramp every single time. And um, the other thing that you can do is you can take a location reminder uh, because a lot of airports, when you park, they have these... um, tags that will tell you at least the color of the ramp that you parked in, and they'll tell you the floor that you parked on, and all you have to do is put in the aisle. So if I park in aisle 2B uh, in the green ramp, when I take my tag, it's going to have the second floor, it's going to have, you know, the green, it's going to be a green tag, so I know I parked in the green ramp, and all I have to do is put B so that I know that I parked in uh, aisle B. So that is a good idea. Um, And while we're on the topic, take the same bags that you always take as often as you can and put your items in exactly the same spot. So, for example, I I almost always take um, my uh, roll-away laptop bag when I travel. I put my passport and my parking reminder and my keys in exactly the same pocket every single time. And along with that, you always want to return your items back to the rightful location immediately after use. For example, immediately after you have presented your driver's license and credit card at check-in, before you go anywhere else, put them back in your purse or your wallet or wherever you normally keep them. These small habits will minimize the likelihood that you're going to lose stuff because you put it down on the countertop and then you forgot it. I went to an ATM machine at the airport one day and I found... Um, somebody else's, a woman's um, ATM card. And I am sure 
that the moment she realized she lost it, she was probably, you know, it may or may not have been a big deal depending on whether she had other cards with her. But you never want to be in that position where you realize, oh, my goodness, I think I may have lost something. And you're not even sure you've lost it for a while because they're like five different places that you might have put it. So put your stuff in the same place every time. The other thing about parking at the airport. So now we have talked about parking in the same place. Um, Think about where you're going to actually park. There are different kinds of parking, right? So short term is usually for people who are coming to pick up or if you're coming to do a drop-off and you're going to be there for an hour or less. It's the most expensive because they charge you by the hour, but it's also the most convenient and the closest to the airport. Next will be some sort of general parking. That's where I I just said I park. Those are the people who are traveling for relatively short periods of time, um, usually a week or less, and um, you you don't get parked by the hour, charged by the hour. You get charged by the day. Uh, Then they're going to be, many airports also have um, some sort of long-term parking. It might be park and ride where you're further away, you park in their shuttles that will pick you up from your car and take you to the air, uh, to the to the um, airport and the ticketing gates. Um, parking ride options are great for if you're going to be there for a long time. So if you're going to be there for a week, you might want to see what the park and ride rates are because they might be cheaper than um, they will generally be cheaper than general parking. But you might decide that you much prefer, maybe you've got a lot of stuff that you're carrying with you and the shuttle is just not practical. It might make sense for you to park in the park and ride area. So that is what I can tell you about parking and um, getting to the airport. Um, One of the things that you want to also understand before you get to the airport is the traffic pattern. Traffic is a big consideration. So, for example, if you're in a busy city like Los Angeles or London, it may take you 30 minutes to get to the airport. It may take you two hours, depending on traffic. I remember one time I was leaving London, and I had graduated from college. My Uncle Jeffrey was uh, accompanying me along with a bunch of other friends. And um, we were going to take the train to the airport when someone decided to, uh, as my uncle put it, meet their maker that day. Jumped in front of a train and uh, got squished on the train tracks, And so that was it for train travel. We then had to scramble and go find a taxi. And uh, so we still arrived in time. So give yourself plenty, plenty, plenty of time. I am often frightened about stories if you get um, uh, stuck in traffic because the traffic is heavy or because, you know, as in the case of Brazil at one point, you know, the public transportation workers are on strike and so everything is moving slowly or... Uh, there is some big event going on in town. So if you're coming out of a city like Vegas, there is always stuff going on. So um, let's say there's, you know, the Harley Riders Convention and there are all these motorcycles riding around all over Vegas. It might take you longer to get to the airport. Um, and there are some places like Brazil where traffic, Sao Paulo in particular, where traffic is just bad. London, traffic can just be bad. And if you have a combination of construction and rush hour, it's going to take you a long time. So understand the traffic patterns and give yourself plenty, plenty of time to get to the airport. A lot of stress that travelers are under can be avoided if you just manage yourself differently. 
So that is all about parking and traveling to the airport. So time your, your arrival and give yourself plenty of time to do all the things you want to do. Conventional wisdom says show up at the airport one hour before departure for a domestic flight and two hours before departure for a an international flight. I used to adhere to that rule until one day. I got to the airport. It was a Tuesday. It was like a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, kind of an innocuous day. Showed up at the airport exactly one hour before my departure. I'm rolling in, and then I realized that the short-term parking and the general parking were both full at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does happen that all the parking is full. And so I had to go park at the Humphrey Terminal, which was down the street, down the highway, and then I had to take a shuttle. No, I had to take the train back to the airport terminal. Now, this was a lot more time than it normally took me to park. I had not factored in all of that additional time that I would have to use. So the only and the only reason God was good that day, the only reason I didn't miss my flight was because my flight was delayed. But if it hadn't been, I would have absolutely missed my flight. And I and I got to the airport an hour before departure. So sometimes that can happen. Or if you show up at a busy time like spring break, oh my gosh. It the airport is a zoo, right? Christmas, Thanksgiving, holidays. The airport is a zoo. And people like me who, you know, I'm sort of, you know, used to, I'm so used to not having to wait because, you know, I got my gold frequent flyer status, which I talk about in the first episode. So if you didn't listen to the very first episode from this series, go back and listen to it, and you'll hear all about frequent flyer numbers and why they're such a good thing. But, you know, I'm not used to waiting. And so I get there, and there is a long line for every single lane. I get to the Sky Priority Lane, and there's a long line, too. And it was funny because you could tell all the people who weren't used to waiting because we're all sitting like cattle in this really long line, and we're all looking at each other in surprise going, are you are you Sky Miles Preferred? Are you Gold Status? Yep, yep. And, and we're just shocked at the lines because we're just not used to it. So factor in how long it's going to take you to get to the airport and make sure you get there in plenty of time to get there. So now, next show, we're going to talk about what happens once you actually are at the airport. But this is the end of our half hour, so tune in for the next uh, installation of this particular show. And uh, until then, this is Speedway saying, go in peace and absolutely, absolutely travel safely. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.